You are listening to the Business Accelerator Program, a podcast brought to you by Lou Hutt and the Hutt Company. This is Lou Hutt, and this is Podcast 2.0 as part of our Business Accelerator Program. Thank you for joining me. We are going to discuss the Entrepreneurial Marathon. It is um, part and parcel with the pathway to success to understand the landscape that lay ahead, which frankly leads to the preparation of how to navigate challenges and obstacles. But first, let me simply reflect on our earlier discussion when we focused on the common causes of business failure. By way of review, we identified four of the top reasons that many businesses fail within the first five years of operation. You may recall that I mentioned ineffective management. I mentioned lack of working capital, unprofitable growth, and lack of positive cash flow. In terms of ineffective management, we broke it down into inexperience, lack of planning, lack of financial information from which to make sound decisions, and frankly, poor financial oversight, meaning that there is no one assigned to assess performance on a continuous basis. So we took the time to explore each of those areas in depth to give us, frankly, a foundation to talk about the entrepreneurial marathon. And when we discuss the marathon, let me first of all call your attention to uh, a section in the book, Road to Mega Success, Simple Strategies for Enriching the Bottom Line. Page 29 in the book points to classic early warning signs that a business may be going off track. And I want to just discuss that in leading up to a more comprehensive discussion of the entrepreneurial marathon. Because as you know, and many of you, whether you're runners or not, you recognize that to complete a marathon, you have to visualize segments of the race. You have to calculate. You have to pace. In essence, you've got to time your jog, your sprints, you've got to have a sense, a biological sense of when you're going to approach a hill, how much 
to exert and, frankly, uh, uh, how much and when to pull back. So I want to talk about some of these early warning signs because I think they do give us some context. Because a lot of folks, when they're running this marathon, they have no sense, they have no barometer as to when they may be running off track. Let me give you a few. First, it is very common for businesses to experience what appears to be a inverse relationship between profits and sales. And here's what I mean by an inverse relationship. Some businesses will experience significant growth in sales volume. And what am I talking about? A company that can go from $40,000 to $400,000, from $400,000 to $4 million, from $4 million to $8 million. And in the course of that growth, experience a decreasing percentage of net profit. So, again, you have a company that's growing by leaps and bounds on the top line, but the bottom line is shrinking. It's an early warning sign that you're getting off track from your planned strategy for completing the entrepreneurial marathon. Another very interesting but telling sign is there is never sufficient cash, seemingly, to meet expenses, despite growth in sales and new business. So if you find yourself along that journey, but all of a sudden you, not even all of a sudden, but over a period of time, you, 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 you experience a recurring shortfall in cash. And you're always robbing Peter to pay Paul. Despite the fact that new business is coming in and there's growth in sales, chances are you're off your game. When banks and other potential financial partners willingly sit down to discuss your financing request, but then after receiving the information, they decline to provide financing. That gives you an outside third party's perspective that you, once again, are off your game plan. When you develop which is always a good idea, when you develop a business plan and you share that business plan, which includes financial forecast and uh, key assumptions about your planned journey. But the response that you get from the reviewers is negative or very cautious or skeptic another sign that you may be off the plan. 
legal structure, believe it or not, is sometimes an issue. And it can become a major issue with growth for several reasons. One, if you decide early or midpoint to secure a partner in your business, be it an investor, be it a bank, or frankly, even be it someone that brings talent to your business. If you want to secure their participation, but their participation is hampered or limited because your legal structure is not suitable for the participation of investors, that too is an early warning sign that your legal structure is not suitable for growth and expansion. Last but not least, I'll point out that from an income tax perspective, if you experience on a recurring basis of lack of cash necessary to satisfy tax liabilities, this too may be an indication that your pace is off track. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the entrepreneurial marathon. And I simply wanted to call your attention to what I've referred to in the book, Road to Mega Success, Simple Strategies for Enriching the Bottom Line. What I refer to on page 29, classic pitfalls and early warning signs. Again, this is Podcast 2.0. I am Lou Hutt. This is part of our Business Accelerator program. Now, in talking about our challenge in terms of an entrepreneurial marathon, I want to bring your attention to a variety of stages of growth that can impact your ability to pursue this journey with vigor. First and foremost, I want to bring out the issue of stages of growth. That is a business cycle. Stages of growth in the context of a business cycle. I put it in these terms. There's infancy, There's growth, there's maturity, and if you're fortunate, you reach a point where you are managing the enterprise and prepped to launch an exit strategy. Again, the entrepreneurial journey, one that can be, frankly, quite challenging, Uh, and you have to recognize that during that journey, there are certain stages during that journey where you emphasize certain developmental aspects of the business. There are many different ways to break down this entrepreneurial 
marathon. I start off thinking of it in this context. First, there's an entrepreneurial phase. There's a phase where you as the business owner are required out of necessity to be at the front end and the back end of each transaction. So you're in your office, uh, you're at your desk, you're making the phone calls, you're ordering supplies, you're preparing, you're generating the invoices, you're making the customer calls, you're literally delivering product, you're doing the books, you're interviewing candidates to hire. You're developing personnel policy as you go along. You're making the bank deposits. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is what I refer to as the entrepreneurial phase of the marathon that entrepreneurials must complete. There's the second phase, and I would refer to that as the, as the transitional phase, the transitional phase. And that's where your organization begins to evolve. You go from being at the front end of every transaction to hiring people who are now at the front end. They're your customer representatives. They're your sales agents. Uh, They are the people that manage customer relationships. They do your marketing. And they may even be preparing your books. Maintaining customer accounts receivable. You're now trying to build a team to serve as a surrogate agent to do many of the things that you have mastered, that you have put together to make your operation viable. That may last for a period of time. Depending upon the business or industry, it could be one, two, as many as five years until you hopefully reach what I will refer to as the managerial stage of business growth and development. And the managerial stage is where all of a sudden you have a team in place and you start looking more strategically at the business. You look at new products, new services. You look at performance measures, things that can help you operate more efficiently, more profitably. You even begin to contemplate, if you have not already done so, an exit strategy. Now, exit strategies do not necessarily mean sale of a business, but it could be merger, it could be acquisition. In some cases, it means going public where you reach a point where you think 
the value of your business is so significant that a broad segment of the population, that is the public, may be interested in becoming an investor. Whole point is that in running this entrepreneurial marathon, you will see your business go through various phases. Now, for the next few minutes, let's talk about as you run that marathon and you go through those phases, let's talk about the lifeblood of your business. That's right, the lifeblood of your business, which is essentially cash. From day one, when we contemplate going into business, the key ingredient that we need to energize, to mobilize, to create some momentum is cash. And hence, you often hear the cliche that cash is king. Because most business owners realize you can never have enough cash. It's almost like starting a marathon and recognizing that from the very beginning, you can never run short. You can never have too much energy. You can never, uh, <laughs> you can never build too much endurance. Sure, cash is a form of currency. It's the currency that you need to run and compete and complete the entrepreneurial marathon. Now, as we prepare for the race, what do we want to do? First and foremost, we want to calculate. We want to calculate how much cash is needed to support the organization, especially during the entrepreneurial phase. You'll hear me refer to entrepreneurial phase and the infancy interchangeably. So when you're an infant, you really got to make sure that you have adequate nutrition. You got adequate cash to carry this business through the growth cycles. You often hear folks talk about maintaining a positive cash flow. Because they recognize if you run the risk, if you run out of cash, here's the danger. It's almost the entrepreneur's worst nightmare. You can't meet payroll. Oh, man, that's a nightmare. You want to wake up and you're in a cold sweat. You thought the possibility that you can't or don't meet payroll. Still, in that same in that same category of apprehension that you can't meet your vendor payments as promised. So there's a delivery of product, merchandise, that you in turn sell to your customers. And the terms are 210, or the terms are payable in full in 30 days, or payable in full in 60. And you're reaching that payment date but you don't have enough cash to pay a vendor. Needless to say, if that occurs and it's a protracted situation, 
you run the risk that the vendor will no longer provide you with essential product or merchandise that you need in order to produce product. Vendors and other creditors that you run the risk of not being able to pay in the ordinary course of business threaten the survival of your company. So maintaining, quote-unquote, a positive cash flow is critical. Now, you might ask yourself, why is it so difficult? Well, I'll put it in these terms. There are certain aspects of running a business that management can control. Who it hires, what the pricing of the product is, where to place dollars for purposes of marketing and advertising, the logo, the name. Those are all factors that are within the control of management. What is more difficult to control is the inflow of dollars. The day in the week or the day in the month that the customer actually makes payment. What is difficult to control are unexpected emergencies, problems that require the payment of cash. Oh, there's a, uh, there's a meltdown in terms of computer software. There's a, there's a breakdown in terms of transportation equipment. God forbid there's, a, there's a, a, a price adjustment in terms of your uh, errors and omissions insurance or malpractice insurance. These are things that during the course of the race, you can't always control, but you have to respond to and you have to address. And very often, this involves some adjustment as it relates to either Sources or uses of cash. Yes, managing a positive cash flow can be extremely challenging for any business. Let's just think for a second. In most companies, what are we referring to when we talk about cash inflows? Well, typically in most companies, cash inflows come from three Sources. First, collections from customers. That is, that is to say, when you sell the product, you sell your service, the main source of cash is typically what you collect from your customers. If you are paid by a third party, what you collect from the insurance company. The second source is proceeds from loans or investors. Well, it's not nearly as frequent as collection from customers, but this is truly a major source of cash. And while I mention proceeds from loans and investors, I should also include your capital investment or loans that you make to the business. Thirdly, 
Very often, companies will, will derive cash from the sale of assets. Now, we, we typically think of uh, you sell an automobile. You, you, you sell a piece of, uh, of uh, hardware that you no longer need. You sell furniture. But believe it or not, sometimes companies derive cash from selling divisions, selling segments of the business, selling uh, 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 property that's owned by the company. So again, three main sources, collections from customers, proceeds from loans, investors, and your capital. And thirdly, sales and dispositions of operating assets. Talk about outflows. Yes, let's give outflows fair consideration because this is another challenging part of the equation. Outflows. Well, if we think about vendor payments, we have some leverage, but not completely. Usually when we come to the table and we have a major supplier or vendor, that vendor is dictating terms. It says, the vendor in their contract, in their, uh, their invoice, they put at the top, payable in 30 days, payable in 60 days. Most of us as small companies don't have the leverage we don't do enough business. We don't have our volume purchase and the purchases are not high enough to be able to dictate to that supplier or that vendor more lenient and flexible payment terms. So to some degree, we are simply at their mercy and we have to work within that framework. Other outflows of the business, of course, for many companies is salaries and wages benefits and taxes, and I want to stress taxes. One of the areas that too many businesses fail is because they are penalized on a consistent basis for late payment of payroll taxes. That's an Achilles heel of so many small businesses and the penalties are stiff. The penalties can result in liens. The penalties can even result in bank account withdrawals. There are occasions, believe it or not, in which the IRS will actually come in and withdraw money by statute, through lien, and attach a bank account to satisfy an outstanding payroll tax deposit. So we have to be especially cautious about the payment of payroll taxes. Office rent and utilities. Obviously, where we house our business, particularly if you're operating in uh, a leased space, uh, that becomes a priority, and it's dictated. 
and usually there is a cost associated with being late. Insurance, loan payments, if we have, if we're fortunate enough to have and to secure financing, normally those payments are dictated by contracts. So again, inflows, outflows, two-part equation, which determines ultimately whether we secure, maintain, and sustain a positive cash flow. Let's talk about some common reasons, because you might say, oh, that, you know, if I can tap those things, if I can, if I can graphically lay out those things in a way that uh, fits, that, that balanced, that, that, that is balanced, uh, what else could happen? What else could cause me to go astray from a cash management standpoint? Well, I hinted at it earlier when I talked about unexpected expenditures. Think about one, and, and, and probably what comes to your mind, certainly what comes to mind, mind it are legal expenses or uh, possibly adverse judgments. And, and as we talk about that entrepreneurial marathon, remember, there are points in this growth cycle where you have agents operating on your behalf. And if an agent injures someone, if an agent makes a mistake in terms of a customer uh, product or service that results in some damage or injury to property, I mean, you have to discuss person, but to property. The principal, you as a business owner, may be held accountable. Or there's a contract dispute. And you feel you're all in the right, but you've got to go to, you, you, you've got to, as they say, lawyer up. These are the type of unexpected expenses that certainly can usurp cash flow. Most often, the, the area that typically, without the, this, this extraordinary uh, situation, but the area that typically challenges most businesses out of the block in terms of synchronizing this relationship between cash inflows and cash outflows is being able to synchronize this relationship between the payment of expenses that are necessary to generate a product or service and then collect in time to pay vendors and other creditors. Think about this. On an ongoing basis, that's the challenge. The challenge is to you know, aside from the extraordinary situations, is to be able to map out a cash flow cycle that works. That's right, a cash flow cycle that works and that can be managed effectively. So, how do we begin to map out a cash flow cycle? Well, I want you to think about First of all, and maybe we work backwards on this. 
you start off and you say, well, what happens, how much time, in terms of days, once I sell a product to a customer, how many days, on the average, does it take for that customer to pay? Many of you may say, well, it, it, it takes about uh, 30, 45 days for the customer to pay. Then you have to ask yourself this other question. What are the requirements with respect to my vendor payments? So if we take just a simple example where I'm purchasing widgets to resell widgets, the question is, how soon must I pay my widget supplier? Think of, think of it this way. If I've got to pay the widget supplier in 15 days and I sell the product to a customer and it takes that customer 30 days or typically I get payment from the customer within 30 days, that in of itself creates a time lag time lag between payment to vendor and collection from customer. Doesn't mean I'm losing money, but it does mean I've got a gap that has to be filled. Maybe that gap is a 15-day gap. And it's up to me as the executive of the company, as the chief financial strategist, to figure out a way to fill that gap. Even when we put aside the payment, uh, or I should say adding to the burden of managing cash flow or the typical kind of expenses that also may creep into it above and beyond the payment to my widget vendor. I may have salaries. I may have wages. I may have insurance payments that have to be made. So if you can kind of derive where I'm going with this, the best way is to lay this out. Today we commonly refer to it in a spreadsheet format, but I don't even think you need to take it to that level. The best way to, to address this is to start off by simply identifying the components of cash inflow and the components of cash outflow. And beside each line item, insert a date, a time frame, 15 days, 10 days, 30 days. At the end, we'll collect all of that information with the goal of being able to put together a time clock, if you will, to track the inflows and the outflows of cash in the ordinary course of business. Now, if we get it right, if we get it right, we'll be able to sustain a positive cash flow, the lifeblood. What's going to energize us to complete this entrepreneurial marathon. But we're starting with the basic ingredient, which again is cash flow. 
Now, once we get something laid out, and again, this is why I say, uh, as CEO, you're the chief financial strategist. Because then we have to, even when we get things laid out, we've got to account for uh, contingencies. Now, what kind of contingencies, what kind of things can enter the picture, aside from you know, the, the crisis situation involving legal expenses or some uh, uh, protracted lawsuit? What we can also encounter are seasonal swings in sales. You know where you, you, you have to buy more product in the winter during the holiday season or your product is such that you sell more during the warmer seasons of the year and therefore you've got to gear up, you've got to hire trained staff and that means those are more dollars that have to precede the construction and the production of product and service. Sure, seasonal swings can throw it off. We can always, we can also have uh, uh, qualitative deficiencies in a product or service that lead to prolonged billing. Let's just say the customer orders a product and gives, and and and, and, and along with that order, uh, uh, list certain specifications, and then when the product is delivered. Lo and behold, the customer determines that, wait a minute, I ordered a blue widget. Not a gray widget, a blue widget. The customer sends that product back. And matter of fact, the customer says, hey, I'm not paying this invoice because I didn't receive the product that was ordered. Well, that return and the resolution and then the, the re-delivery of the product, that extends the billing and collection time frame. There's another thing that creeps into this picture, which is slow-paying clients. What do we do about slow-paying clients? I mean, there's some that are inherent. Think about if you do government work. I mean, the government is notorious for paying uh invoices on a 90-day basis. What do you do in that case? What do you do? We've got a plan for it. There's also an issue that arises in many businesses, and we refer to it as write-offs, customer write-offs. Folks who we do business with, and for, God forbid, we, we thought they were going to be a good business partner, and, uh, they simply don't pay. We have to pursue the claim in court. It's, it's, you know, and then we have to decide depending upon the gravity and the magnitude of the collection. How much time, how much energy, how much effort do we put into it? Sure, slow playing and, and, and frankly accounts that involve folks that lack credit, credit worthiness. Who we deliver a case of widgets to and we discovered these folks are not paying. They don't intend to pay. These are the kind of real life problems that arise in connection with managing cash flow. Now, 
there are some things that we can do to minimize the these type of potential problems. First, we need to set aggressive billing and collection policies. Now, what do I mean by aggressive? I don't mean to a point that you strain a customer relationship, but I mean that you 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 set and establish a billing policy with the goal of minimizing your collection float. Yes, you want to minimize your collection float. The time it takes to bill and collect from a customer, you want to minimize that. And it starts with the policy. It starts with the invoicing. If your policy is 30 days, number one, you've got to get that invoice in the customer's hand as quickly as possible. If you're paid through a third party like a contractor or an insurance company, you want to make sure that invoice is received, it's processed, it's calculated properly, and it is delivered either electronically or otherwise as quickly as possible. Payment terms on a customer invoice. If you have your druthers, try to get the payment and encourage the customer to pay as soon as possible. Some companies offer an early payment discount. So they say 2% net 30. If you pay within the first 10 days of the sales invoice, you get or the customer will get, receive a 2% discount. Some folks may flip the script and they say, yes, it's net 30, and payment beyond net 30 is subject to a 2% penalty. We're talking, ladies and gentlemen, about cash flow, but we're talking about this in the context of preparing ourselves to complete the entrepreneurial marathon. How do we manage cash flow? How do we minimize the risk that along this journey we will be hampered and our timing will be thrown off? We want to think about, and this is very important, we want to think about comparing and shopping for the best payment terms from vendors. Well, we might, let's say, consider two or three vendors assuming the same level of quality in terms of uh, merchandise. Which of those three vendors offers the most favorable payment terms? And when I talk about payment terms, your goal should be to maximize disbursement flow. So when we were talking about cash inflows, I talked about minimizing collection flow. When we're talking about disbursements, the idea is to maximize collection flow. You want to have the flexibility to be able to pay the vendor's invoice in the furthest possible period of time, be it 30 days, 45 days, 
even possibly 60 days. Now, talking about, again, ways to minimize collection float, maximize disbursement float. You also want to think very seriously in terms of minimizing collection float. You want to think about performing a follow-up on the collection of delinquent accounts, reminders, demand letters. These are critical in the process of minimizing collection float. It's critical, ladies and gentlemen, because the longer that, <laughs> that you leave a receivable outstanding, the greater the risk that it will be uncollectible. If you ever go to a bank and you ask for financing and you have accounts receivable on your balance sheet, the banks will typically ask you for a breakdown of accounts receivable. They'll say, provide me with a report that takes each of the customer balances that are due and break them down by which ones are due currently, which ones are due or have been outstanding for 30 days, which ones have been outstanding for 60, 90, and beyond. And essentially what the bank is attempting to do is assess the collectability of those receivables. The idea, again, being, being that the longer that an account is outstanding, the higher the risk that it will be uncollectible. So what do we have to do as business owners? We have to strengthen our collection procedures over delinquent accounts. Typically, that's with reminders, that's with demand, that's with reminder notices. Obviously, can be programmed and pretty easy to do electronically. And, and we hope that it never gets to a point where we have to actually uh, send out demand letters. We talked about customer incentives for early payment. We also want to improve and sustain the quality of our product so that it reduces the risk of sales returns. Flip side of the coin again on the disbursement side, maximizing the disbursement float. The timing of purchases is very important, particularly once you delegate that process to someone in the organization. You want to oversee that process and possibly even develop policies that allow you to order or promote ordering just in time. There's a danger with having stockouts where you don't have uh, merchandise to prepare, manufacture, or assemble a product. So you certainly want it to be in stock when you need it. But there can be a real, uh, uh, there can real be a, a real problem from a cash flow standpoint when you buy too much inventory in advance of need or use uh, from a customer standpoint. When you reach that stage, we talked earlier about the entrepreneurial growth stage, where now you're in a transitional stage, and you have others possibly 
uh, administering accounts receive accounts payable, so payments to vendors. You want to make sure that those folk are not unintentionally or inadvertently draining your cash flow by paying an invoice that's not due for 30 days, but paying it within the first five days. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, if there's no oversight, that can frequently happen. And you as a chief financial strategist will not know unless, number one, you have a policy in place, and number two, you periodically check what you expect. Two sides of the equation, one is minimizing cash collection float. The other is maximizing cash disbursement float. The idea at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, that we must to be successful, to be effective in completing this entrepreneurial marathon, we must maintain a positive cash flow. I trust that this discussion will be helpful. Again, it is part of our business accelerator. It works, goes hand in hand with the webinars and the live webinars that we do. And needless to say, to the extent that you have questions, you are encouraged to reach out to me by email or by phone. Thank you. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for listening and enjoy your success.